Today's episode is about missions and a single woman. We'll be discussing some of the advantages and the challenges that a single woman in particular can face. I've invited my friend Kristen to share her thoughts on the subject. Kristen is a single woman who has been working abroad for over five years in a medical capacity while sharing her faith. So welcome to the podcast, Kristen. Thanks, Vicki. It's great to be here. <laughs> we were laughing earlier about how funny it is to be doing this in front of microphones because we're such good friends. Yes, it is quite funny, but it's good. So here we are. Well, this is the first time you've done a podcast. Is that right? Yes, it is. And how are you feeling? Um, a little bit nervous, but I'm glad to be here. Okay. Well, let's get started. Um, how did God first draw your attention to missions? Mm, yeah. Well, I would have to say God first drew me to himself. Um, he, I think, so graciously, like he does for so many of us, used a really difficult time in my life to redirect my heart to himself. And then once I got to know more of his heart, then that is automatically an open door to seeing his heart for the nations. And once you see that, it's really just leaning more into God's heart that draws you into missions. I love that. It's so true. It is. It's such an irresistible call when it happens like that, I think. And when you read scripture, that's what it's full of. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. It's just that his name may be known to all the nations. It's, It's really the heartbeat of God. Absolutely. So how did your personal calling to working in a medical capacity abroad develop? Well, I, for as long as I can remember, have always wanted to be a doctor, and um, I really think that God has used my entire life to direct my path into what his ultimate plan was for me. You know, when I was five saying I wanted to be a doctor, I didn't know that God was going to want me to be a doctor overseas, Um, but he did allow me all the opportunities that are needed for someone to become a doctor, so I did that, and he also was really gracious in fostering this humanitarian heart that I have. Mm -hmm. I'd always thought about using my skills overseas in some capacity. Um, I didn't necessarily think of that as missions to begin with. Um, But then once God, you know, revealed that part of his heart to me, everything just clicked. It was, Kristen, I have let you become a doctor and I have let you love people in this way and this is how I want those things to come together um, in you. So that's incredible. That wasn't from that first, I want to be a doctor, I want to be a missionary doctor overseas. No, it wasn't. In fact, it was pretty late in the game that God sort of revealed his plan. It was kind of like a great like gift towards the end of residency. um, Wow. Revealing an ultimate plan. That is so exciting. (laughs) I love hearing about that because it shows also how he was working earlier in your life. Mm -hmm. In all of those things building and then there was this reveal. Yeah, even exactly when I didn't know what he was doing, didn't have an idea of what he was doing, he was still working in me. That is such an encouragement. (laughs) Sometimes we don't know what he's doing exactly. Uh, Let's get started with this today's topic specifically. Pretending to be a single woman heading overseas, what were some of the issues that you contemplated during that decision-making process? Well, I think some of the things that I contemplated were things that everybody contemplates. They're common things that people think about when they're thinking about moving overseas, like 
how do I do my job? How do I live day to day so far from my family? Or can I even do this? <laughs> um, those are all sort of the things that anybody would face. But then being a single woman on top of that, I definitely had to think about marriage and thinking, okay, is this something that I want? Is this something that I need to pursue? Um, or is it something that God even has for me? And would I be willing to kind of lay that on the altar to answer this call? A great challenge. It was, and I think it was a really good time in my life to think through that. It was towards the end of residency when, you know, everybody was finally through medical school and getting through residency and getting to that point where the thought of settling down um, was sort of forefront on everyone's minds. And I just realized that wasn't the trajectory my life was taking. Um, and so it was a, a great time to think through all of those things. Did you have people that you thought through that with, or was that just between you and God? I did actually have people that I thought through it with. Um, it was a really, um, it was a neat time in that God had given me close friends who were going through the same thing at the same time. Other single women who were preparing to go to the field that he brought into my life and we were able to process these things together. So what did you guys do? Just talk over coffee, studied the Bible. What were you doing? All of the above. Um, we had many conversations. Um, we definitely studied the word together. We prayed together a lot. And all of us have different opinions and ideas about marriage and what that means in our lives. But we all came to the same conclusion that the call to go overseas was... God's primary plan in our life. Wow. Uh, it's such a gift to have other people to process that with. It really was. So were there any other issues that you were contemplating before you were heading over? One of the things that I was kind of most concerned with was who my support system would be. Mm, um, yeah. Yeah, as a single, um, you don't have that built-in spouse or family. You don't have that built-in accountability. And so I knew from the get-go that that was something that I would need to cultivate. And so that was definitely something I contemplated a lot before leaving and tried to figure out how to do that well. Yeah, it's a big deal. I, I went as a married woman, so I had that built in, but still mm -hmm. was thinking about the friendship side of things so, but it, but it's really different. I think you have to especially look out for that. Yes. If you're not going with someone who knows you, because essentially you're going to a place where you're not known. Yeah. And that was a big deal. The whole not feeling known and getting to a point in a relationship with someone, an accountability partner to where you can open up and be known. And that takes time. Yes. So <laughs> it was... Um, it was definitely something that I prepared to do. So you were thinking about it before you went and actively cultivating it when you got there, but there was that lull yes. of months probably or more that you were trying to figure out who, who those people were. Absolutely. Who's safe, who's not safe. Mm -hmm. Who do I like? 
Who do I yeah. admire in their walk with God? Who turns me to the Lord? Yeah, all of those things. Oh, well. Yeah. Any other things in particular before you went? Those were the main things. Those were probably the main things. As far as like being a single woman. So what are some things that people did that made you feel more understood and supported? Well, I was really grateful that my leadership team uh, treated us single women respect respectfully. They didn't assume that we were all alike in our capabilities and capacities. They didn't expect us to live together. Um, that's one thing that I've heard a lot of single women run into um, is kind of being thrown into a house with a roommate <laughs> and not knowing anything about them. Um, but that wasn't part of my experience and I'm incredibly grateful for that. Um, it was also really a neat thing to have some married couples and families um, sort of take me in. Mm -hmm. um, I happened to be on a field where there were several families and married couples and so I didn't experience that with all of them and I think that's a good thing. I think it's good to find those people that you really do click with mm -hmm. and that way you can become more of an organic part of their family and not just like a, a bonus. Um, there was one family in particular that I was incredibly close to and I mean an auntie to their kids and um, it was great that I had a friendship with both the husband and the wife and I even had a stocking in their house at Christmas. I love that! It just made me feel so included and that was important for me. I was going to ask you what it looked like. So the stocking is part of what it looked like. What yes. else did that look like to be invited in, truly invited in, not just over for dinner? Yeah. Um, I would go and stay. They lived in a different city, so I would go and stay at their house for weekends, or even if I had a week off, I would go and stay with them. I had my own space, was free to do and be in their house as I pleased, but also free to just come and go with their family. And sometimes that was just hanging out with them as a family and playing games. Sometimes it was taking the kids and going to a movie or just hanging out with mom. It was all of those things, all those things that come when you're really a part of a family and not just a guest that comes over for dinner. So important. It was definitely a lifesaver. <laughs> now you mentioned that it was important. Um, you were friends with the entire family. And that's one of the things that I've talked with other single women who've lived abroad, um, or even single women who are living here, that it's they like having friends who are couples. Um, that it's not just like, okay, husband, go out and let's, you know, have our friend over. Right. Yeah, it's not all just girls' nights and things. Um, although those are great and very important. As single women, I think the, for the most part, we're surrounded by women, um, especially myself. Um, in my job, I deal mostly with women. Um, and so it's very important for me to have godly men in my life. Um, I think that balance is necessary. And so it's a real gift when there are couples who really like embrace me as a friend. Mm-hmm. That's great. I'm so glad that your experience was a positive one in this because I've talked to others that it wasn't a positive one. So it's yes. really great 
to hear this and how vital it was mm-hmm. as a family. What about other single women or other single men? What did they do? Single women in particular were a part of like core friendships. Um, as far as accountability partners and prayer partners, um, that was where that group came in. Um, and I think it's just because of our stage of life and our availability, those sorts of things that led to those uh, deeper relationships. But they are incredible. Um, it's amazing the people that you get to meet when you're on the field and some of the other single women there are some of the strongest women that I know and it was such a blessing to be a part of their lives. I would concur with that. That was one of the great (laughs) privileges of um, being with my single friends when I was abroad. What about single guys, single men? Well, I was on a field where there actually were not any single men. Um, But I would say in general, I would think it would be important for single men to just realize, like I said before, that single women need the presence of godly men in their lives as colleagues and as friends and to just be open to being that presence. Mm -hmm. Did you face any particular challenges in the workplace as a single woman? In the particular setting that I was in, it was um, probably a little bit different than other people's experiences. And of course, all of this is just me speaking to my own experience. Of I can't, course, yeah. I can't speak to the experience of every single woman missionary. Um, however, I worked in a Muslim setting. And so, yes, my experiences were definitely um, different being a single woman. I was still respected, um, but I didn't have as much of, let's say, a seat at the table as far as decision making um, and things like that that I would have otherwise um, enjoyed having. And while I do think that being single was something that allowed me to kind of enter into my patients' lives even more, um, it was something that made them question me more. There wasn't really a box for me in their culture. Most of the women in their culture get married rather young and have kids quickly. And so to have an older single woman was very odd to them. They just didn't have a cultural way to define why. Exactly. You would do that. Yeah. So that was... (laughs) That always led to interesting questions because it's a very open culture. So one of the first questions is, are you married? (laughs) And when that answer is no, it's more of a quizzical response than anything else. Um, But that led to me being able to explain to these women why I was there. And that led to gospel conversations. So even not having a cultural counterpart led to me being able to share more with with these women. What about out and about in the place where you were? You said you were in a Muslim context, so that's going to affect your ability to go out and about. Yes, and it did. Um, I was not supposed to go outside of our hospital gates by myself, so it was always 
take a friend with you while you go and shop for your fruits and vegetables and that sort of thing. Um, it did affect me in that I consider myself a very independent person and a lot of that independence was stripped away. I, like I said, couldn't go out by myself. I couldn't drive. And so if I wanted to go anywhere that was like some distance away, I had to arrange for a driver. And there were things that just culturally, it was deemed inappropriate for women to do. And so I could make the choice to either do them and kind of get weird stares or have to find a man to do them. And that second choice was a little bit against my nature. I was going to say, <laughs> what was the hardest part about that yeah. aspect? Yeah, that was definitely part of it. Um, having to be more dependent on other people was, was difficult here. Um, and I think in a lot of Western cultures, any single person can be quite independent. Um, but that's just not how all cultures work. And so learning to accept those limitations um, and to work with them in that context was, was difficult. But ultimately, honoring that culture, I think, was recognized um, and ended up being a good thing. What helped you cope and accept that situation? <laughs> a lot of prayer. <laughs> Honestly, um, it was nothing that I could do in my own strength. I could not will myself enough to, you know, to humble myself enough to do that. It, that's just not in my nature. And so it was honestly a lot of prayer, a lot of working out of weakness and realizing that it was only in God's strength that I would be able to do any of that. It's a real challenge, especially coming from our culture and being... Is by nature, independent, mm -hmm. not, not someone who easily um, is dependent on others. But we value independence so much. We do. I mean, it's something that is prized here, something that you know can be very proud of. Whereas where I was, that was not a value at all. It was actually more valued to be dependent on your community and to make decisions in community. And so those were all things that I just had to learn. Did you, did you bring away some of those values from where you changed, I guess? I think in some ways I was. I was definitely changed for the time that God had me there. Um, now, being back in a Western culture, some of those different uh, values, some of those um, different ways of living that I had adopted, they just don't work here. Mm -hmm. And so I think flexibility has been sort of the takeaway value in all of that. Um, not having to have one set of values for every context, but to be able to go back and forth between them and live in different situations. Yes. Much prayer. Much. So what are some things that people do that are unhelpful as a single woman? Well, I would say one of the major things is to assume that all single women are the same. 
Um, and again, like I said before, I can only speak for myself. I can't speak for all single women because we are not all the same. Um, a lot of assumptions that go along with that, I think, are uh, assuming that because single women don't have a family to take care of, that they have a lot of free time and that they are just super willing to say yes to anything that needs to be done. <laughs> um <laughs> And in some cases, we do have time, and we do want to be able to say yes to things, but that can't always be the case. Um, and another thing that's kind of a more personal um, assumption, I think, would be uh, to assume that all single women want to be married, because not all of us do. And so to have that assumption that we view marriage as some sort of goal to be attained or to view singleness as something that needs to be explained away is demeaning. And it's an assumption that I wish people didn't have. And actually contrary to scripture. Mm -hmm. If you carefully, if you read scripture, you will see Absolutely. that the single life is greatly honored. <laughs> and I love embracing that. I love embracing the joy of the single life and embracing um, yeah, Paul's joy that he found in it and viewing that for what it is as a gift. I love that. I love that. And I love to hear it stated just out there that marriage is not the goal because I think in Christian circles, it often can be portrayed that way. It can. And not that it's not a good goal. There is no problem at all with desiring marriage, but... It's not that's the only goal. not the only goal. And that's not the primary desire of any of our lives, single or married, right? The primary desire should be unity with Christ, not unity with any other person. That's our ultimate goal. That's we're called to him. Mm -hmm. And then circumstances of our lives are all going to be different. Mm -hmm. And one is not, not better than the other. It just is a different, we're each called to a different race. Exactly. With him. Mm-hmm. What would you say are some of the advantages in serving, working, living abroad as a single woman? Well, definitely like embracing that joy and singleness that I was just talking about. Um, to be perfectly honest, it was a relief sometimes to not have to be responsible for other people's well-being. Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, if I was tired, I didn't have to cook. I didn't have to worry about how kids were going to be schooled. I, when making decisions, I didn't have to consider anyone else's needs necessarily as far as a spouse would go. Um, I could make those decisions. I could go to places I wanted to go to when I wanted to. And that is very freeing. No, oh, it talks about that. Paul talks about that mm -hmm. in scripture about you are, when you become married, you are concerned with pleasing your spouse, right? right and rightly so. And mm -hmm. um, bringing up your children um, to love the Lord and all the responsibilities that comes with that. So yes, the freedom, embracing it. I yes, love it. Absolutely. And it was also really um, a great thing to be able to sort of delve deeper into the lives of women. Um when I went over to a woman's house, I could just go into kind of the room with all of the women and talk about anything and everything, you know, all the things that women talk about behind closed doors. Yes. 
those things were just so dear and I could spend as long as I wanted. I didn't have to worry about other people's timetables and it was just a, a great gift to be able to, to be a part of some of those women's lives. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful picture. It was a blessing to be a part of. So what final advice would you give any single woman who's heading overseas? I would say that the thing that is most important is to anchor your identity in Christ. You can read all the books and you can do all the studies and all the preparations, but if your identity is not anchored in Christ, you will find yourself completely adrift. Your identity is not your job. It's not who your friends are. It's not even in this like great title that we can embrace of being a single woman missionary. Your identity is in being a daughter of the King. And if you Amen. find what draws you closer to that, what draws you to his heart, and just do that as much as you can, then you'll be anchored in him. Amen. Amen. Well, Kristen, thank you so much for being here with us today. I know there's so much more to talk about, uh, but we'll just continue our discussion over coffee in the that other room. great. <laughs> there's always so much more to talk about, but it was great to kind of give this little glimpse into a single missionary's life. And yeah, it was great to talk to you today. Thanks. And we'll see all of you next time. Thanks for listening today. Our book, Mission Smart, 15 Critical Questions to Ask Before Launching Overseas, is available on Amazon in paperback or Kindle. Feel free to email us with your questions through our website, esionline.org. Remember to subscribe to our podcast to get more episodes as they're published.